This is a Squeeze podcast, where your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Voters in America have started the process of picking who the Republicans will put up as their candidate for president in the 5th of November election. There's a long and potentially brutal road ahead, so in this Squiz Shortcut, we'll update you on how the field is shaking out, including the rise of Nikki Haley. And we'll also give you a quick mud map of how they'll get to the actual presidential campaign, where the Republicans' pick will face off against Joe Biden. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, in late August, you and Alex had a look at how the Republicans were going about picking their candidate for November's presidential election in the US. And they were going through a series of debates when some surprising elements were uncovered. Yeah, that's right. It was the kickoff of debate season when Alex and I did that in August. Uh, Not participating in those debates was former President Donald Trump. He refused to take to the stage with the other hopefuls. He instead did a series of special interviews with Fox News, they broadcast those mostly at the same time as those debates. So it was pretty cheeky. Yeah, his message was pretty clear. He thinks he's a cut above the others and shouldn't have to lower himself to debate them for the job. Yeah, and I guess when you're by far and away the favourite in the race, that's what you can do. Um, So the headline from all of that is that Trump is still the favourite. He's polling at about 50% of the vote. Now, someone who was at the debates was Ron DeSantis. Going into things last year, he was considered to be coming second in the race against Trump. Yeah, we did a shortcut on DeSantis last year because he was shaping up as someone to know about. Yep, so we've already got a couple of shortcuts for you to have a listen to. (laughs) Um, The highlights, though, about DeSantis, he is the very conservative governor of Florida. He made a political brand out of his opposition to COVID lockdowns. Also, his attacks on what he calls the woke left, but his campaign is pretty much tanked. Mm, If you Google Ron DeSantis' faltering campaign, you'll bring up a heap of results and The thrust of it is that he hasn't really differentiated himself from Trump. No, exactly. He's fought a campaign based broadly on his record of tackling what he calls woke policies in his home state, but the analysts say that he hasn't really done enough to explain to voters why they should pick him over the former president. So that's DeSantis. No one is really picking him as a chance, but there is a bit to go, so who knows? The candidate who is on the rise, though, is Nikki Haley. Yeah, so going into this first primary, the polls say that she's overtaken DeSantis and is coming in second to Trump. So to give you a rundown on her, she's the former South Carolina governor. She was then Trump's ambassador to the United Nations for the first two years of his time in the White House. So 
Why don't we go into that for a minute? Because it was a pretty fraught time. Yeah, it was very eventful. <laughs> and Alice, you'll remember Donald Trump's America First policy. It was a huge departure from America's international leadership in areas of things like free trade and diplomacy. Uh, at Trump's inauguration in 2016, he said, though, that he would focus on reducing America's trade deficits, uh, not by growing the economy, but by pulling out of trade deals and prioritising American industries. And he said that he would start a program of rebalancing the burden sharing within alliances when it came to being the world's cop on the beat. And then when it came to defending that policy to the world, a lot of that played out at the United Nations. And it was up to Haley there to make the case and defend President Trump. Yeah. And this is where I first clocked her. I really remember her very clearly from that time. Mm. She was in the news a lot. So some of the examples of what the US did during that time, Trump pulled America from the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. Uh, at his first address to the United Nations, he threatened to totally destroy North Korea if the United States was forced to defend itself or its allies. Uh, he pulled out of a big agreement with Iran and other Western nations to keep Iran's nuclear ambitions under control. He upended trade deals with China. Um, he pulled America also out of several United Nations bodies and pulled a lot of the funding to their programs as well. So, Alice, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And and as I said, it was Haley who had to defend those decisions, but she didn't do it apologetically. No, she really didn't. She was the staunch face of the United States government. She was very articulate and she was very hard to rattle. Um, as we mentioned, she left that job after two years. It was a bit of a shock to those who were following these things very closely when she did that. But she said that it was an intense time and she said that she needed to move on. Whatever the reason, the UN ambassador's role massively increased increased her profile, as you said, and it paved the way for this presidential run. Yeah, but whether she can win the Republican candidate race is a different thing altogether. Yeah, it sure is. Let's get into that next. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic Dam Copper Mine. It's happening now at BHP. Claire, we'll get into the detail of how the Republican primaries will unfold in a minute, but first let's do a recce of where the candidates are standing. Yeah, so ahead of this Iowa primary, which is the first cab off the rank when it comes to these Republican primary races, that's on Tuesday, our time this week, there was a big poll in the state of Iowa. Trump was the top pick with 48% of respondents saying they supported him. Haley came in second, which is the first time that she's really ranked that high with 20% support. Mm. And then she was followed by Ron DeSantis with 16%. So there is still, though, a big gap between Trump and the rest of the field. 
And Claire, going into these series of votes across the country, Trump's lead seems unassailable, right? Yeah, and look, I guess the first thing to say is that anything can happen in an election Mm. campaign. Uh, We know that Trump has a series of challenges to face with his very many and varied legal cases, for example. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of them will play out during this campaign too. Yeah, exactly right. Um, They may not finish up, but of course, in all of those criminal and civil cases, there will be hearings. There'll be court appearances from Trump and his former close confidants. So that'll all feed into the campaign. And you said that's the first thing to say about Trump being the sure thing as the Republicans pick. What is the second thing? The second thing is that it all comes down to election maths. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've listened to a couple of podcasts with the election stats (laughs) experts, which is how you like to unwind after work. (laughs) Um, They're pretty sceptical about Haley's chances of success because of that extensive lead that Trump has. But it really does come down to where she's getting her support from. Yeah, so just to explain that a bit... If Trump's support is around that 50% and more mark, well, no one has a chance. But if Haley is able to ramp up her support by taking votes from Trump supporters, then things could take an interesting turn. Yeah, a very interesting turn. But it is very hard to do because we've heard for years now about how rusted on Trump's support base is. But you're right, it depends on whose column she's taking votes from. If it's DeSantis or some of the other several candidates, it's not as as impactful as getting that support from people who have changed their mind about Donald Trump. Yeah, so that's how election maths works. And Claire, the other thing that's not necessarily working in her favour is the fact that she's a woman. Yeah, it's not necessarily working against her either, but just to balance that out a bit, um, It might be appealing to some Republican voters that she is a woman, but the polls say that it's not a big factor. Haley's looking to become just the second female presidential candidate of a major party in American history. That, of course, is after Hillary Clinton. Mm. Um, Not that you would hear Haley or her campaign talking about that much. Yeah, it's another rabbit hole you can go down on the internet, how Haley is positioning herself as a woman in this campaign. Yeah, exactly right. It really is another rabbit hole. She does talk about being a woman as an asset. Uh, On the campaign, she often gives the Margaret Thatcher quote, which is, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. But she won't buy into any discussion that would see her accused of complaining about her gender or playing the gender card. The experts say that's how she ran her race as governor, that Republicans supported her because she got on with it. So now with the voting starting, there are lots of eyes on whether she really can challenge Trump. Yeah, there sure are. So how do these votes work, Claire? There are state-by-state nominating contests that determine the presidential candidate. Yep. And this will last for nearly six months and it's followed by the Republican convention in July where the candidate will be confirmed. And true to the US electoral system, the process is a bit convoluted between now and that convention. What happens in these primaries is that voters don't directly select their candidate. What they're doing is they're choosing delegates who in turn choose the candidates at the national convention. Yeah, and the more populous a state is, the more delegates 
delegates it sends to the national conventions. But we do know who those delegates support, so we'll get a sense of which candidate is doing well and who is not doing so well. Yep, that's exactly how it works. It's so simple. And Claire, we should say there's a process for the Democrats to go through, even though President Joe Biden has said that he's going to run again. Yeah, so as the incumbent, he will get the opportunity really to go unchallenged. But there are two other Democrats who have put up their hand to challenge him. There is a process of the caucus votes to confirm Biden as the Democrats' candidate. So they will go through a similar process that Republicans are going through with state-by-state votes. But the party's unlikely to schedule any debates, for example, ahead of those votes. So Biden isn't expected to face any serious contest. That's not to say that Biden is overwhelmingly popular, though. No, no, he really isn't. So the president's approval ratings, if that's a good measure of things, they've declined to the lowest of his time in office. Um, That's in overall terms amongst all Americans as well as amongst Democrats. So... Basically, it's time to get your American politics seatbelt on. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Now on to our recommendations. Each shortcut, we like to give you recommendations for further reading, listening and watching. Claire, I'm going to recommend a handy article from the New York Times on who all of the candidates are for the presidential nomination. And it also includes the independents and those who have dropped out. So it's all in one place. Yep, handy to have that all bundled up together. Uh, I've got an episode from NPR's podcast called Consider This. It's an episode called The Political Evolution of Nikki Haley and it's a really good and quick listen. Yeah, good one. I'll pop those links in the episode notes. And thank you for listening. Remember to share this episode with your mates who want to get on top of what's happening in this big election year. And we'll catch you next time. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.